You're listening to Ready to Real Estate, a TREB podcast. Hear stories, uncover insights, and tune into interviews on key issues that impact realtors and all of us. Join us as we discover how people, properties, and communities all come together to build the future of real estate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ready to Real Estate. I'm your host, Jason Mercer, TREB's Chief Market Analyst. A phrase that gets thrown around a lot these days is that we're living in unprecedented times. And with good reason, with a demand-driven housing market that's shown no sign of slowing down and a global pandemic that's further complicated the consumer relationship to housing, it really does seem like we're moving into uncharted territory. So what can we expect going into 2022 on the consumer side? What are they looking to do when it comes to real estate? With me today is a guest well-equipped to discuss consumer trends in the marketplace, Sean Simpson, Senior Vice President at Ipsos Public Affairs. We'll be talking about some of their recent findings as they relate to trends in home buying, selling, investing, and borrowing. Welcome, Sean, and thanks very much. Thanks for having me, Jason. And, you know, Ipsos has been conducting consumer polling for TREB for years now, and, and we'll talk about the home buyer and seller intentions in a few minutes, but I'm wondering if you can share with us maybe at the start, uh, some broader trends that are unfolding in, in, in 2022 from, from your polling. You know, what are, what are some of the issues that are top of mind for people right now? Is, is it Omicron? Is it the upcoming provincial and municipal elections? Is it, is it housing? What stood out over the past few weeks or, or months in your polling in Ontario and even across the country? Well, as you might expect, COVID-19 is still very much top of mind, uh, but not as not as high as it was. Uh, it's still number one. Of course, for the last 18 months, it was pretty well far and away number one, but we've started to see it recede uh, in, uh, in the last couple of months. And it's less about the health implications as in personal health implications and more about the sort of collateral damage that that. COVID-19 is having on everything else. So for example, the impact of lockdowns on businesses and the economy, the impact of canceled appointments on people's uh, health, uh, that kind of thing. And obviously the impact it's having on families working from home and, and not being able to see each other uh, as much, that, that kind of thing. The other issue that's really top of mind for people is affordability. Uh, that is uh, coming out in a bunch of different ways in our data. So uh, first and foremost, uh, housing. 27% of, of Canadians list housing uh, as one of their top issues. Now, two decades ago, when housing would come up on a list of most important issues for Canadians or Ontarians, what they meant was you know, affordable housing, housing for people who, who, who you know, can't afford a, a place to live. What they mean now is housing for everybody. Uh, that that I can afford, uh, you know, a, a home that that my children will be able to 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 afford a, a home. Uh, so the the the, the nuance is, is 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 different there. Uh, also, taxes are top of mind for people. Twelve percent, and you know, of course, many different kinds of taxes from from personal income taxes. But of course, in in Toronto, we've got municipal land transfer taxes. There's discussion uh, about taxation of capital gains on primary residences as a way to, to try to cool uh, demand. So that's top of mind for people. And of course, interest rates and inflation. Uh, people are are concerned about. Uh, the potential for rising interest rates, and of course, that is uh, uh, will have an effect on mortgage uh, rates uh, as well. And rounding out the top five issues for Canadians is climate change. Now, interesting in 2019, in the federal election that we had, climate change was the number two issue of that campaign. So it is has uh, subsided. 
uh, as as Omicron, as healthcare worries, as worries about the economy, inflation, housing, etc., uh, rise in 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 importance, in relative importance, climate change has eased a little bit, but it's still in an absolute sense quite important for for Canadians and Ontarians alike. I guess that's a bit of a positive, the, the sort of shift that uh, uh, climate change has kind of moved up the, the ranking in terms of things that people are concerned with, because maybe it, it suggests that people are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. They're not you know, as concerned about you know, COVID and, and, and sort of directly related public policy and, 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 and issues surrounding that. That's right. COVID isn't, uh, pardon the expression, taking up all the oxygen in the room like it was a year ago. It's still uh, obviously preeminent in people's minds, but other things are starting to come back on the uh, onto the agenda. And political leaders better pay attention to that. You know, uh, if, if Canadians are starting to move beyond that single issue, then our leaders need to need to move with them. Yeah, and I think it's a good point around inflation. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about mortgage rates and that in a minute, because obviously you covered that off in, in, in your polling for, for Treb, thinking about uh, consumer decision-making around home purchases. But I think, you know, the whole relationship between obviously in, in inflation and interest rates, it, it poses another sort of issue or, or point of concern when you're thinking about affordability, because, you know, you're thinking about the overall household balance sheet. So certainly, uh, um, you know, interest rates. So we'll be uh, watched very closely over the next year in terms of how that can affect demand for housing. But, the, you know, the other side of the coin is if you're paying so much more for other goods and services that you regularly purchase, well, you have to factor that in when you're thinking about, well, you know, what's a reasonable monthly payment uh, uh, that I can afford, especially in this rising price environment, not only for, for homes, but everything else I'm purchasing on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, and add in the stress test, and there's a lot less money to go around. Uh, so right. definitely, yeah, inflation is... Uh, you know, we did some polling at the end of last year for Global News that showed that a good chunk of, of Canadians, roughly one in four, were already worried about how they're going to feed their family. Uh, and inflationary pressures obviously are, are only going to compound that. Rising interest rates, if anybody has variable rate interest, is, is going to compound those concerns. So definitely that is a, a contextual factor that in the grand scheme of things, uh, puts a little bit of of, of uh, pressure on that on the housing market in in terms of of, of of what people can afford. Maybe we'll take take a bite out of the market. You'd think all other things equal. All other things are not equal. And as, as we'll we'll discuss over the course of the podcast, and as we did in the in the in the presentation the other day, um, there are still definitely uh, signs that there's 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 lingering life in the in the market yet. For sure. And, and it, you know, I, I think that's a good segue because we set the stage in terms of, you know, what's top of mind for, for Canadians and, and Ontarians and, and not surprisingly, housing and housing affordability is, is one of the issues. So, I mean, let's talk about the demand side of the market first. I mean, we saw immigration really pick up in the second half of 2021 and, and that should keep demand at, at high levels. But on the other hand, you know, we also saw sales per capita that were well above the norm last year. And so with this in mind, you know, maybe there's a little bit of, of give back in the offering. And you and I talked about this, uh, um, you know, on, on February 3rd, when we released our, our market year review and, and outlook report. Uh, and I think some of that sort of came through in, in, in what you found when you're asking people, well, are you intending on purchasing a home over the over the next year or, or, or not? But I'll, I'll turn it over to you to kind of fill in some of the blanks there. Well, what's remarkable about the real estate activity of the last 18 months is that it has been so strong without immigration. Uh, so just turn on that faucet again, and we, we certainly have uh, more demand side, uh, demand side pressures. So in the polling that we did for you, we surveyed 1,000 uh, likely home buyers. This is uh, very similar to what we uh, do in, uh, have done in previous years. 
Uh, and so we can track the results uh, year over year to see what those trends are. And of course, you use some of that uh, in, your, in your forecasting. And so what we found is that 26% of uh, residents of the GTA say that they're at least somewhat likely to buy a home. Now, that's down four points from last year. Last year was 30%, this year's 26%. But it's really important to note that the proportion you say that they're very likely is down only one point. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that that kind of soft consideration is eased a little bit, but the firm intent is, you know, one point different as well within the margin of error of the poll. It's essentially the, the, the same thing. We're seeing a little bit more softening in the 905. The 416 is, is holding firm. And we'll talk a little bit later about uh, why that, that, uh, that might be. Uh, an indication of the, the health of the, of the market uh, or at least the balance of the market is the percentage of people who say that they're going to buy who tell us that it is their first time buying a home. And what we're seeing here is that 39% of, of all activity is likely to be among first-time home buyers. That's down two points from, from, from last year. And historically, when we started doing this research back in 2015, 2016, that figure was closer to 50%. So what this is telling me is that there is still price pressures. It's still a little bit more difficult for first-time home buyers to get in the market. And we, we can see why. We've got uh, you know uh, stricter rules around down payments. We've got uh, double-digit gains across the, the, the region. And, and, and double-digits, it sounds too low. It's obviously not triple digits, but in, in the 20 or 30%. And first-time home buyers, some of them are being are being are being squeezed. So there's there's uh, certainly showing up in our data that, uh, that, that you know less of the market is first-time home buyers than maybe in a more balanced market that we saw, for example, in 2015 and, and, and 2016. In terms of the the types of, of homes that people are looking to buy, uh, detached homes remain um, remain king. Uh, they uh, became more popular last year uh, as, as people uh, looked to, to get a little bit more space, uh, given that they're working from home under, under, under the context of COVID, et cetera. That trend has only continued. So nearly a half, 48% say that they're likely to buy a detached home. That's up two points. Uh, semis at 15%, uh, semi-detached homes, that's unchanged. Town rural homes at 15%, that's down three points. And now last year we saw uh, a decline in the proportion who said they were, they were going to buy a condo. That is rebounded now. We're 21% likely to buy a condo. That's up two points year over year. And I think that explains why purchase intentions are uh, holding firm in the 416 in, in, in Toronto, the city proper, because there are more condos there. Uh, and so I think uh, the fact that people are returning to eyeballing condos uh, likely informs why the 416 holding holding firm. And also, if prices have risen as significantly as they have in the last year, that entry point for first-time buyers is less and less looking like a detached home, you know, where the average price is, is you know, well over a million dollars in the 416 and, uh, and more towards condos. So COVID's still a factor, but we're not seeing a mass exodus out of the city. I'm not sure that ever really happened. It was certainly a couple percentage points. But one of the, the, the things that I look at is the proportion of Toronto residents who live here now and among those who are likely to buy a home, what is that proportion who say they're going to stay in the city? Right. This year, it's 71% of 416 residents planning to stay in the 416. Last year, it was 64. 
meaning that 36% were going to leave. Now only 29% are going to leave, So, uh, which is much closer to those historical norms. It's usually been around 75%. Uh, so certainly some looking to leave, but we're, we're kind of back much closer to a typical rhythm uh, for, for, for the city, which is about three quarters staying to look to, to stay in the city, about one quarter looking to leave the city. Yeah, that's really interesting. It would probably be interesting to go back and ask those people that said, you know, in 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 the uh, in the twenty for the twenty twenty results, saying, you know, you said you're planning on moving outside of the city of Toronto. Did you actually do that? You know, if if you didn't end up purchasing a home, because you know yeah. a lot of that maybe you know sort of caught up in all the 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 media play around people moving you know, to their cottage and, and everything else, right? Yeah, that's right. Now, if they no longer live in the GTA, we wouldn't capture them in this, in, in this survey. Yeah, we'd have, to, we'd have to, 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 to broaden the net to Southwestern Ontario, cottage country, uh, other 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 uh, places. But, you know, overall, uh, you know, the, the health of the market is still very strong. Um, we know that the government has taken uh, steps recently to try to, 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 to curb demand. Uh, I guess it's been effective in some ways. And our polling is, has said that among all Ontarians, 14% still say they're less likely to buy because of the stress test. 20% are less likely to buy a home because of uh, land transfer taxes. So uh, it's still having an effect uh, on some uh, but maybe those people wouldn't have got in anyways. It's hard to say. Uh, but overall, we're still seeing very uh, essentially flat, essentially flat demand for, for home purchases, maybe down a titch. Uh, so I'm not seeing a lot of relief on the demand side of the equation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we're, we're calling for slightly fewer sales than what we saw in, in, in 2021, but, you know, still a very high number historically. And, and I, you know, I buy into what you're seeing in the polling in terms of, you know, first time buyers and the resurgence in the condo market, because we really saw that uh, in, in, in 2021, and particularly in the second half, where, you know, we saw an acceleration in price growth, because you're seeing that competition again, uh, between buyers. And, and, you know, I agree that a lot of that is, you know, first time buyers that, that were sort of coming off the sidelines uh, because they had a bit of a, a period initially where where we had seen a dip in condo prices and, and and so some of those buyers were initially able to take advantage of that um, but obviously you know we've seen the market tighten up in a hurry and and uh, you know we're starting to see uh, higher and higher home prices in, in that market segment as well and I'd expect that to continue because you know it's part and parcel to the broader trend that you know we're going to see continued demand we're going to see an uptick in immigration all these people are going to require a place to live yet we haven't done a very good job over the last you know decade uh, in providing enough housing uh, uh, for people to purchase. And that's whether you're talking about, you know, ownership housing or whether you're talking about uh, uh, rental housing. And, and so, you know, you also, in, in your homeowner survey that you undertake for us each year, you ask existing homeowners if they're if they're planning on, on, on listing their home for sale. And it just to sort of set the stage, at the end of 2021, there's only 3,200 active listings on, on TREB's MLS system in, in the greater Toronto area, plus South Simcoe and Orangeville. And, and so, you know, I think broadly speaking, you know, we're not seeing a real uptick in, 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 in listing intentions. And so, you know, that's, that's a concern when we're thinking about tight market conditions and competition between buyers and, and uh, you know, price growth as we move through 2022. So what did you see on that front? 
Yeah, that's a it's a really interesting point. Thirty two hundred listings in in a, in a region of you know well over five five million residents. So that's uh, it's it's remarkable. And 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 you can't just go somewhere else to have it fixed. You know, I live in in, in Kitchener Waterloo, and and you know we a half a month's worth of inventory there. So it's not right. a problem that's solved just by people moving, you know, a couple kilometers uh, away. Um, so we, we did a survey of twenty five hundred um, homeowners, a very robust survey, and. Uh, we asked them how likely they are to, to, to consider selling their home. And, you know, the, <laughs> you might think that with price growth the way it is, uh, so many would like to perhaps capitalize on their investment and take the opportunity to sell. That's not what we're seeing. Uh, because, of course, when you sell a home, you still got to live somewhere. <laughs> so yeah. you, you, most people are buying a home, uh, of course, uh, pretty well at the same time that they're selling. Uh, so what we found is that 35% of homeowners say they're at least considering the sale in the next four months. That's down one point from last year. It's down four points from two years ago. And in fact, it's the lowest that we've ever measured. So uh, the proportion who say that they're very likely to sell, so if 35% is that consideration, the proportion who are very likely is down two points since last year. So you've got on the demand side, uh, firmness, uh, you know, roughly the same proportion, maybe down, down just a titch. On the supply side, tightening even further among right. for resale homes. So unless you know, we've got hundreds of thousands of units ready to come on board in terms of new supply, which we don't, uh, the net effect there is that the, the, the tightness of the market, I think, is, 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 is going to continue, particularly in certain segments of the market. So, for example, uh, we know that uh, what was it, 48% said that they were likely to purchase a detached home. Well, uh, among likely sellers, only 45% of them are likely to sell a detached home. And that is down. So we have increased interest in detached homes, decreasing supply in detached sure. homes. Condos at 22% are pretty well aligned. That's up a point in terms of supply. So that's good. Town row homes were at 15%. That's up a point. So maybe a little easing there. Semis, uh, uh, we were down one point at 15%. So, you know, th th those, those segments are a little better matched. But it's really that single detached home where we've seen so much of the price growth because of, of, of demand. The demand for detached homes is continuing to increase where the supply of resale homes is continuing to be tight. You don't have to be a Nobel Prize winning economist to figure out that that's, that's going to lead to, um, to, to continued uh, competition uh, among that segment. And competition, of course, means that uh, the prices will likely continue to, to rise. Yeah, 60. Oh, go ahead, Jason, please. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say it's, it's, it's an interesting point because, um, you know, obviously a lot of people are looking at that sort of single detached home. Uh, but I'd argue that, you know, if there are other options that were, were similar, but not necessarily a detached home uh, in, in greater numbers, and we've talked about the missing middle and that type of thing in the past, and then people might say, well, well, you know, my first choice is a detached home, but that market's really tight and, and there's an affordability issue there for me. So my next best option, you know, might be you know, some type of, uh, of missing middle housing, maybe even like, you know, a plaque stack, stack town, townhome. And, and, you know, obviously you see some of this type of, uh, uh, of property for sale, but not in the same sort of numbers. And so, you know, the other point is that, you know, we need to see a greater diversity of home types being built uh, when we bring on, when we bring on more supply to give people that sort of housing continuum over time. That's right. People can only buy what's available. 
Right. So it, it, it's one of those, those, those cases where if you build it, they will come, <laughs> you know, because there's nowhere else to go. You know, the supply is, 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 is so tight. Um, another um, uh, uh, notable finding uh, among our, our homeowners or home sellers actually is that two thirds will purchase another property in which to live. So that's it. That's, that's the issue, right? People, yeah, sure. I can sell, but where am I going to live? 67% will purchase another property. That's up five points. So what that means is that last year we had more people who are selling to exit the market. Right. Uh, that um, kind of um, cash in on your investment mentality is pretty well gone. That happened last year. People want to take advantage in, in fact, had they waited, they may have, they may have had an even, even larger um, sure. uh, investment to cash in on. But people are kind of returning. And, and what that means is that, that says, well, if more people are going to purchase another property in which to live, that means that demand is going to, 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 to be strong, right? Because people are not looking to, uh, to, to divest uh, from their, their, their assets. If, if we look at, at it, sort of the other side of the coin among people who didn't uh, move in the last year. So, well, why, why didn't you do that? Uh, 77% say, well, it's because they, they, they like their home. That's down five points, meaning that the other reasons that people aren't moving are growing. What are some of those other reasons? Well, not wanting to move during COVID, that, that makes sense. It, you know, there's a, uh, supply chain issues, all, all kinds of reasons why people might not want to move during COVID. But there are other reasons here which are preventing people that aren't COVID related. And those include moving costs at 9%, just don't, don't, I don't mind, they don't want to do that. Renov Some people are renovating instead, 7%. Um, 6% say that upfront costs relating to land transfer taxes are, are, that's the reason they're not moving is they just can't can't afford that and it's eight percent in in toronto proper where of course there's a municipal land transfer tax and other people say that they're not moving because of mortgage qualification rules you know uh, uh, people may be in a uh, you know that kind of anecdotal thing when you're talking to people they say well i don't know if i'd be able to afford you know the house that i live in right now is with with um you know, rules uh, changing and, and, the, and the stress test, um, et cetera. So there's, there, there are a lot of uh, sort of aggravating factors here, which are causing people to stay put when they may not want to, you know, yeah. two in 10 to say, you know, I think I would move, but there are all these, these other reasons preventing me from doing so. And that's an interesting point because when you think about uh, you know unintended consequences of, of different government policies, and, and it seems a lot of them, if you say, well, what was the unintended consequence of the land transfer tax or 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 what have you, you can kind of point back to supply and say, mm -hmm. well, it, it it it's meant that existing homeowners have have decided to remain in place. I mean, they wait may want to move, um, but they just said, you know, I, I'm I'm throwing money into the wind here, so I'm just going to stay where I'm at, or maybe I'm going to spend the money on on renovating that I otherwise would have put towards, you know, a larger down payment on on the next home uh, that I would have purchased. You know, when when we're thinking about supply, we also often talk about ownership housing, but I think it's also important to point out that you know the great majority of rental stock. Um, that we've seen come online in the greater Toronto area over the last year is on the, it's been on the back of individual investors, you know, people buying one or two condominium apartments and, and renting them out as sort of part of their uh, in investment return uh, over time. And we've also seen government policy, you know, impact 
you know, those individuals. And often when we talk about rising home prices and affordability issues, um, you know, the investors, you know, held out to be the, the bogeyman to a certain degree by, uh, by politicians. And, you know, as we move towards, you know, municipal and provincial elections, I, I'd imagine that we'll be talking about investors again in, in, a, in a short period of time. So, I mean, some of your polling involved, you know, asking existing uh, investor owners, uh, what their plans are for the mm -hmm. future and, and to what degree government policy is, is influencing their decision-making process. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, that's the other side of the, of the, the kind of demand and supply equation. And, and what we find is that 28% of investors, people who have an investment property, are uh, very likely to sell. That's down two points uh, from last year. So again, a slight tightening of the supply there. But another 37% are at least somewhat likely. So if right. the conditions are right for them financially or aggravating from a policy perspective, you know, they, they, they could pull the trigger and, 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 uh, and divest. But Overall intentions slightly softer than last year, and so there's no easing on the supply side there. You know, you mentioned that that investors are often the the the, the target or the subject of of, uh, of of politicians when they're trying to take be seen to take steps to quote unquote fix you know the housing imbalance. Um, and and it's important that that we really understand how many people we're talking about. Uh, and and. Uh, what our survey has found that only 5% of homeowners say that they own an investment property that they do not rent, only 5%. So anything that targets investors or vacancies, vacant homes, is really tinkering in the margins. Uh, it, it's not going to, you know, a tax on, on vacant, vacant properties, et cetera, is not going to, to, to solve the supply, you know, problem overnight. And of course, this contrasts against 27%, of homeowners who say they have an income property that they rent out. So almost to a six to one margin, uh, they're, they're being rented out. Um, so the idea that there's tons of vacant units out there eating up all the supply is, is, is a bit of a, a, a myth. Um, the impact of a vacant home tax in Toronto is a little bit mixed. 35% say, well, it's not really going to have an impact on me, probably because they have a, a tenant. Uh, right. Another 31% of them will say, well, they'll, they'll just get tenants. And 33% say, well, they'll they'll sell their investment property. So different different strategies uh, for, for, for different different people there, depending, I guess, on how aggravating they, they consider that, uh, that tax to be. But you know, that's not the only thing that we're talking about. We've got more regulations on short-term rentals. The impact is similar. Again, roughly a third say, well, it doesn't really impact me. A third, because maybe they don't sell short-term rentals. Uh, a third say that they might be looking to sell and 30% and, and say, well, I'll just get longer-term tenants instead of, instead of short-term. So, you know, uh, people adapting to the new rules, but then at the same time saying, well, I don't know if this investment is going to be worth my while because of all the kind of red tape that is, is showing up and, I didn't buy the rental property or my, my income property based on on those terms and those rules. Those rules are not changing, and it may not um, may not be appropriate for me anymore. And on top of all of those evolving regulations, you have COVID nineteen, which is causing thirty six percent of investors to say that they're more likely to list their home as a result. We don't know the reasons, but you know it could be that maybe they they wanted short term rentals, but you know obviously not not many people vacationing these days, uh, or maybe it's just more difficult to manage that property. But um, uh, they're, they're they're thinking of, of of listing as a result. Despite all of those things, we know that overall. Our selling intentions are are 
tightening even even more so. So yes, we've got pressures there, but they they they, they don't seem to be um, uh, creating more supply. Right, and I, and I mean, I, I I take your point. I mean, you said at the margins, oftentimes I say sort of nibbling around the edges. But I think you know, anytime you look at these sort of policies, whether you're talking about policy point at the ownership side of the market or or, or rental, um, ultimately, you know, the supply pressures are 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 one of the results uh, yeah. because people, you know, they 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 change their behavior and not necessarily how you think they they might. And and you know, make no mistake. I mean, if we're talking about a real resurgence in population growth in the GTA as a result of both immigration and and uh, and, and temporary migration uh, people moving into the GTA whether it be for school or for or for jobs or what have you a tight rental market doesn't help either um, and, and so you know the bottom line is, is that you know lots of people want to move to the greater Toronto area to you know uh, take on new employment uh, businesses want to move here because it's seen as a as a as a great environment, both from a social and cultural perspective, but also you know from a from a uh, you know a diversity of of, of skill sets that are available to their to their companies. Um, yet you know over the long term, if we don't solve our supply issue, we don't solve the affordability issue, then you know that that poses a real economic development challenge for us. And so you know I, I think definitely as we look towards both the municipal and provincial elections, it'll be important to pay really close attention. To what those people vying for public office are going to do on the on the supply side, but you know, with that said, the final thing I want to talk about, and I think it is going to be you know a bigger issue in 2022 than it was in 2021, um, if for nothing else, because of inflation, is 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 borrowing costs, um, and, and so you know certainly one of the things they're asking intending home buyers uh, um, is, is sort of where where are they at in terms of borrowing costs, where do they think it's going, and and how could that sort of you know impact their uh, their decision on, on in terms of, of, of whether or not to, to, to purchase a home or, or what they may end up purchasing. Boy, if I'm the governor of the Bank of Canada, uh, I've got a tough job right now, right? Because you've got inflation, but you've got COVID. And right. <laughs> those are aggravating and mitigating factors, but I guess that's why they make uh, why they make the big bucks, right? Um, so so here's the 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 thing, and it's quite remarkable. Despite the rising prices over the last year, over the last couple of years, down payments remain very solid at 31% on average. Very few are under, well, 10%, very few are under 20%, even and need an insured mortgage. Um, even among first-time home buyers, the average is over 25%. So down payments are healthy. Uh, they're, you know, policy aside. There are, are very few who would be in financial trouble, even if there was a correction in the market, because those down payments are very strong. Uh, fixed rates continue to be more popular than variable, but that gap is closing by a few points since last year. Maybe people uh, seeing that uh, that the, the the spread is 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 enough that they 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 are uh, at least considering a variable rate mortgage. Uh, stress tests and various policies are continuing to have an influence on a wide number of things, including the size of the down payment, so people putting more down. Sure. But it's also impacting the price of the home. Uh, people maybe looking to get a, a slightly cheaper home, and uh, price is not mutually exclusive of other things, right? So if you're looking for a cheaper home, 29% say that they're looking at a different location as a result. That's up five points, so location changing. Uh, the length of their mortgage term, 27% say that, that, that that's uh, being impacted by the stress test. And of course, the type of home. 
uh, is, is also being, um, being impacted. Uh, when we ask outright, a majority continue to be impacted by off-suite in some way, with the most common impact being that they're likely to purchase a less expensive home or change the type of home uh, that, they're, uh, that they're most likely to purchase. Um, but inflation is real. It has people nervous because it hasn't been this high in 20 years. Um, people who are old enough to remember what it was like in, in, in the, the you know, early 80s, uh, late seventies. Remember that mortgage rates. You know, uh, I had an economics professor who said that he thought he was smart by locking in for five years at eighteen percent. You know, and he was an economics professor. I don't think. You know, I, I'm not an economist, but I don't think we're going to get get there. But um, people have memories, and um, as a result, there is a, a, a palpable concern out there. Eighty-two percent. Uh, of, of Ontarians um, and, and buyers say that uh, they're concerned that mortgage rates will rise before they actually have a chance to make that final offer. 81% are concerned that inflation will just generally make things less affordable. And so if you're paying more for gas, if you're paying more for hydro, if you're paying more for food and clothing, you have less to spend on, on housing. And 72% are concerned that uh, if interest rates rise and mortgage rates, uh, you know, typically rise in, in lockstep, and because of the stress test requirements, seventy-two percent are afraid they won't qualify. Uh, so there, there's 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 real concern out there, um, and uh, you know, I don't know at this point whether or not it, it's it's founded. I guess uh, you know, not even the governor of the Bank of Canada maybe knows that uh, because the guidance is changing uh, rapidly with 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 the evolution of, of COVID nineteen, but people are concerned. And, and, and likely buyers are concerned about what this high interest or high inflation rate environment will, will mean for interest rates and then obviously how that affects what they're able to to, to do going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. And, and I, I, I do think that the, the onset of the OSPE stress test kind of changed the discussion in terms of what the impact of, of you know, increased borrowing costs are. Because in the past, it was like, well, borrowing costs are going up. So like we were talking about people making real decisions based on their contract rate alone. Now, that still may be the case, you know, as you say, because people have a lot of other things that they have to account for on their on their household balance sheet or, or income statement, as it were. But at the same time, like if we're talking 50, 75 basis points, people that are qualifying today in terms of the OSB stress test, so their contract rate, the higher of their contract rate plus two percentage points or five and a quarter are actually in a lot of cases going to be qualifying at the same, at the same rate, the, yeah. the five and a quarter. Um, and, and so it's not necessarily going to change whether or not people qualify, but what the increase in, in actual contract rate says is it, is it, is it changes, you know, what people can afford vis-a-vis, um, you know, the other expenses they have on a monthly basis. And so I think your points around, well, it, it, it won't necessarily, uh, it, it won't necessarily be binary where people are like, well, I'm not buying now because rates went up, but they certainly may take a step back and, and sort of consider, well, you know, is that semi I was going to buy, is that now looking like a townhome or do I still want that semi, but now I'm going to have to look further afield for it. I think that that now is, is sort of the bigger change that you see when you see an increase in, in, in contract borrowing costs. It's not necessarily the binary one, whether you're going to buy or you're not, but it's sort of, it's a, it, it, in some ways, a more uh, complicated decision in terms of, yeah, I'm going to purchase, but what is that going to be and where is it going to be? And, and so that it, it, it puts a purchase on hold, but it doesn't necessarily, you know, take that out of the system long term. 
and it seems to to, to 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 make people anxious as well you know the the uh the, given that it's added complications uh given that um uh you know the, the, the rules exist and they didn't exist before maybe the previous time that you bought a home it's just something new that you have to kind of learn and adjust to and people are trying to figure out what those implications are for for them and their family yeah, so, you know, I, I want to thank you very much, Sean, uh, again. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to unpack here, and there's no doubt there'll be a lot to talk about uh, on the housing front as we move through 2022, and, and certainly as we, as we uh, have provincial and municipal campaigns unfolding uh, later this year as well. So, you know, again, you know, thank you very much for, for sharing your findings and kind of giving us a bit of a history lesson in terms of how things have, have changed over time as well. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you, Jason. And don't miss another episode. Subscribe to Treb's Ready to Real Estate podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to all of you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. That's it for us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media and visit our website, treb.ca. That's T-R-R-E-B dot C-A to find market insights and more. This has been another episode of Ready to Real Estate, and thanks for tuning in.